This geography lesson is brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education. Students, my name is Steve Chandrabhawan and I'm going to be teaching you geography. The topic we are going to cover today concerns mid-latitude cyclones. Now, in mid-latitude cyclones, there are several ways of approaching the discussion. Let us start from the very beginning. What do we need to know about mid-latitude cyclones? We need to know that there are alternate names to these cyclones. They are called mid-latitude cyclones because they occur in the middle latitudes. These middle latitudes range from 30 degrees north and south to 60 degrees north and south of the equator. They are also called temperate cyclones because they originate from the temperate low-pressure system at 60 degrees north and south. This is also referred to as the area of the polar front, the 60 degrees north and south latitudes. They are also called frontal depressions and that is basically because they have fronts, the cold and the warm fronts form part of the mid-latitude cyclones. And the last alternate name for a mid-latitude cyclone are extratropical cyclones. So this is an alternate name to mid-latitude cyclones. They are called extratropical cyclones because they occur outside the tropical areas of around 23 and a half degrees north and south. So, we have covered alternate names. Let us look at conditions necessary for the formation of mid-latitude cyclones. Several conditions are necessary. The first being that the warm subtropical air from the 30 degrees north and the 30 degrees south must come together must meet with the cold polar air that is coming from 90 degrees north and south. Now these two air masses, one a warm air mass and one a cold air mass, converge at the 60 degrees north and south latitudes. Now this 60 degrees north and south latitudes, as I have mentioned just now, is called the polar front. These two air masses are affected by the second condition, which is the Coriolis force. The Coriolis force causes these winds to deflect left in the southern hemisphere and to the right in the northern hemisphere. Let us look at the southern hemisphere. Any deflection will cause winds to move from west to east on one side of the polar front and the cold polar air is now deflected to move from east to west on the other side of the polar front. Now because these air masses are of different temperatures and densities, there is some interaction with each other that is caused by the third condition and that is frictional drag. Now you have two air masses that are not 
moving at the same speed because of their temperatures and densities and they therefore interact with each other. Also, the surfaces that they move over may be uneven, again leading to some interference with each other. This interference, we will learn just now, results in the formation of this low, which ultimately leads to the formation of the temperate or the mid-latitude cyclone. Now, it becomes necessary to discuss the stages of formation in a mid-latitude cyclone. There are basically three stages. In the initial stage, we have air moving from the from the west going towards the east, and this is uh, warm subtropical air. The cold polar air moves in the opposite direction. These two air masses are, are occur as a result of the deflective nature of the Coriolis force on moving air masses. Now that is called the initial stage. And here the polar front may be referred to as a stationary front. Now let us move on to stage two. In stage two, the, the wave formation occurs. In this stage, as I've indicated under conditions, there is frictional drag that creates interference between the two air masses. Remember, one is a warm air mass and the other a cold air mass. The wedge of warm air begins to be uplifted by the cold air mass. Remember, warm air is lighter and less dense. And as this occurs, fronts begin to shape. In the southern hemisphere, air movement is clockwise because this is a low pressure sound. And the opposite would take place in the northern hemisphere. At this stage, it is necessary to tell, to tell you that a cold front is a leading edge of a body of cold air. So the front is the leading edge. In the case of a cold front, it is the leading edge of a cold air mass. In the case of a warm front, it is the leading edge of a warm air mass. In stage 3, which is called the mature stage, the wave begins to deepen or intensify. And remember, because of the differing temperatures and densities, the interference between both air masses is what results in this deepening or intensification of the wave. As the wave deepens, now you have a very distinct V-shape that forms between cold and warm fronts. In these fronts, both the cold and the warm, the warm air is raised above the cold air mass. 
as warm air is raised above in both the fronts it reaches dew point temperature and it leads to some kind of precipitation now in a cold front formation cold air is dominant and is able to uplift dynamically this is an active process it uplifts the warm air as it circles around this center of low pressure in a so called violent way causing rapid uplift and the formation of vertically developed cumulonimbus clouds and the resultant precipitation in the cold front are heavy thunderstorms torrential rains the movement of warm air over a cold air mass in the warm front formation is more passive there is a gentle pressure gradient and the air that reaches dpt or dew point temperature is able to form less developed nimbus stratus or stratus cloud formations leading to less precipitation often light showers or even fine weather in the mature stage the pressure at the center of the slow pressure cells begins to move closer towards 1000 millibars the lowest pressure is at the center remember this is a low pressure cell so pressure will decrease towards the center in the fourth stage the the cold fronts and the warm fronts begin to merge or come together in this stage which is called the occlusion stage the cold front catches up with the warm front now occlusion starts at the apex that means at the point where the cold front and the warm front begin at the center of this low pressure cell this is also the shortest distance between the two fronts hence occlusion starts from here to find out whether it is a cold front occlusion or a warm front occlusion look at the symbol of front that occurs right at the start of the occlusion stage right at the bottom if it is a cold front symbol then it is a cold front occlusion and the opposite would apply for a warm front occlusion in the occluded stage students all the warm air has been uplifted and the cyclone starts to dissipate or degenerate because the moist air has all been exhausted typical exam questions will center around looking at a cross section of the cold and the warm fronts a new technique which is favored by many examiners asks students to draw or illustrate either of the cold or warm fronts 
or both the fronts. And in this, you have to label the diagram indicating pressure gradient, indicating type of cloud, indicating where the cold air is, as well as where the warm sector might lie, and the resultant precipitation. What kind of weather is associated with the passage of a mid-latitude cyclone? Now, students, remember, we learn aspects in geography because they relate to us in real life. Parts of South Africa lie in the path of mid-latitude cyclones, so it becomes uh, important to learn how they affect us and what precautions we might take in the event of an approaching mid-latitude cyclone. So what kind of weather is associated with a mid-latitude cyclone? When you answer this question, it is important to also know why these weather conditions are linked to mid-latitude cyclones. Mid-latitude cyclones are often associated with a drop in temperature. As the cold front approaches, temperature drops rapidly and this occurs because of a loss in radiation by the sun. Remember there is thick cloud cover which prevents the sun from heating up the earth's surface. Wind speeds <coughs> I beg your pardon. Wind speeds also pick up. They become strong and gusty as the cold front passes through a certain area. And here, the reason would be because of the steep pressure gradient, which causes air to move faster down a steep slope. There is <coughs> Excuse me. There is also torrential rains or heavy downpours that are linked to temperate cyclones. Again, the reason is that the thick cumulative numbers clouds that have developed vertically have a large volume of moisture. And this moisture is released in a short space of time, giving rise to torrential rains that can result in flood conditions. Cyclone families refer to the movement of a number of cyclones from west to east in quick succession. Having discussed now the weather that is associated with each phase or each stage in the development of mid-latitude cyclones. You are now in a position to plan suitable precautions because you would know that these weather conditions come with certain effects or impacts. We spoke about the low temperature <coughs> that is associated with the mid-latitude cyclone. We said that the low temperature occurs because of a lack or a loss in radiation. How would this affect us? <coughs> what would be the impact of these low temperatures? They may lead to snow 
snows in the, especially the mountainous areas of the Western Cape. They can lead to hypothermia, where people may be suffering from unnecessarily low temperatures. And this could lead to injury and even loss of life. So how would you prepare? What precautions would you take? Okay, one of the precautions might be that you would now try to be indoors so that you could gain from the being away from the outdoors and the harsh weather. You would dress warmly. You would stock up on fuels like wood or charcoal or gas in the event of an electricity interruption so that you could keep warm. In the effect of torrential rains would be to cause floods especially in low-lying areas. And farmers, as well as residents that live close to rivers, need to take certain precautions again into account. Move, move your wildlife, or sorry, move your uh, stock animals away from these low-lying areas or valleys. As well as be mindful of residents that live close to rivers that can rise suddenly in floods. And what you can do here is to place sandbags along the rivers so that these rivers are actually controlled in terms of flooding. Keep a transistor radio handy so that you could track the passage of these uh, cyclones or these low-pressure sounds and make sure that injury and loss of life is prevented as much as possible. Stay away from the outdoors as visibility will be poor and you minimize driving until the weather clears. Now in mountainous areas, rock falls are also common when there is a passage of a cold front. Remember the winds and the rains are quite strong and they can easily dislodge a loose rock material that could result in the loss of life, injury, and even the damage to property. Seafaring people, like fishermen, especially those that move around in small fishing vessels, also need to take into account the approaching cold front. Remember, to secure your fishing vessels in the harbour, and stay away from the open sea because there would be a rise in the sea levels as a result of the harsh winds. The effect of the South Indian high on the passage of a mid-latitude cyclone. Now mid-latitude cyclones move from west to east because they are driven by the west wind belt. In the west wind belt all our cyclones move in an easterly direction and towards the east in the vicinity of the Indian Ocean there is the South Indian high pressure system. This is a more permanent pressure cell and can affect the movement of the mid-latitude cyclone which is coming from the west.
it can cause the mid-latitude cyclone to deflect southwards before continuing on its eastward trajectory. Here we say that the South Indian high acts as a blocking high. Let us look at some of the characteristics of a mid-latitude cyclone. Now that we have went through the discussion of a mid-latitude cyclone, it would be easy to actually come up with the general characteristics of mid-latitude cyclones. What are some of the characteristics? Right. Where do they occur in terms of location? Mid-latitude cyclones occur in the middle latitudes of 30 to 60 degrees north and south. They move from west to east or they move in an easterly direction. And again, the reason here, because they form in the west wind belt. They consist of fronts, both warm and cold fronts. Another characteristic regards or concerns their size. They are large cyclones with diameters of about a thousand kilometers and over. And they last for about 4 to 14 days. Why are we studying mid-latitude cyclones? We study mid-latitude cyclones because they have an effect on our weather. Now, mid-latitude cyclones affect South African weather conditions, mainly in winter. Because these cyclones, as do all pressure systems, they interact with the movement of the sun. When the sun moves to the northern hemisphere in our winter, all pressure cells, highs and lows, that occur along the different latitudinal belts, also migrate northwards. So mid-latitude cyclones will move away from their more 60 degree south position to a closer position to South Africa, which lies roughly around the 30 degree south latitude. Hence, the cold front of mid-latitude cyclones is now able to come into contact with the land mass that we know as South Africa. The warm front that lies further south hardly affects the weather of South African landmass. And that's because it is found more southwards of the entire temperate cyclone. Thank you. My name is Steve Chandrabhawan. And this has been a geography lesson on temperate or mid-latitude cyclones. You are reminded that this lesson is available on the Department of Education app known as KZN Funda. Please download. It's free. That geography lesson was brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education.